Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Full faith in something says that, man, I am willing to stake everything on this. I'm willing to commit completely. Again, it's that supernatural gift of faith is, again, that that gives us the assurance of things hoped for and recognizes the substance of things that are not seen. It recognizes, it sees it. It's not there in the physical mode but it is there in the spiritual realm. Faith is full assurance in what God can do because we believe that God is able. Having faith that God can heal, work, or move is not dependent upon our earnest belief or any formula we recite. Also, it is likely that you and I will experience doubt. Today, Pastor David reminds us that God is the author and giver of faith, and faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What an incredible blessing it is to receive confidence through God to do that which is impossible for us to do on our own. Now here's Pastor David with part two of his message entitled, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, part one. Every believer has to have saving faith. This is something more. This is the kind of faith that moves mountains, okay? This is the kind of faith that can speak to that tree and say, be moved, and man, it goes and it plants itself in the ocean. This is the kind of faith way beyond that. This is something that that brings mountains to radio stations, actually, too. It's a move of God that's beyond the ordinary. And I've shared with you guys many times, man, my faith is usually about that, you know, limited. It's within the things I can see. And when God moves in a special way and speaks to my heart in, in a way, it just blows me away because I know that it's not me. And in the same way, that gift of faith comes to us, not of our own logic and understanding, but well above that. It's not a normal. It's an empowering of the Holy Spirit in specific situations. Allowing God's hand to move in a powerful way. Now, I've known people who, who had faith. I mean, they, they, they just walked in faith. They, they walked in an abundance of faith. What we're speaking about here is even beyond that, even greater than that. One writer describes it as a, a sudden surge of faith, usually in a time of crisis, to confidently believe without any doubt when the gift of faith is, is in operation, believers will have this unshakable confidence that God is going to do what he promised to do even when it appears absolutely impossible. No, I know that God is going to do that. God has assured me that he is going to open that door. But, dude, that door is locked with like five locks, and there's a guard in front of it, and it's a steel door on top of that, and there's chains and everything. 
That's okay. I know that God is opening that door. And then all of a sudden, boom, God opens the door. Did it seem logical? Could you figure out how you could do it you know, in, in a physical way, in a material way? No, it is a supernatural work of God. He's promised to do it. It will be done. I wish I could say that I move in this gift all the time, but I don't. I've experienced it at times in my lives, and that's why I know that it's not my faith when that happens, that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, my wife and I went to the hospital to see the dying mother of one of our members. We went into the hospital, and she literally was on her deathbed, and we came in there to pray with the family. And I've just got to tell you, it, at that point in time, just the Holy Spirit took over. And at the same time, both Tot and I had that assurance that this lady's not dying right now. And the Lord just gave me the word, not here and not now. Not here and not now. You know what? His mom is still alive. She's, I think she's in her 90s now. That was years ago. And she was, man, it just seemed like she was ready to die. That wasn't a gift of healing. I didn't pray for healing or anything before we even had a chance to pray. God just gave me that word, that belief and that faith that God was going to do something that everything in a logical sense would not have worked. And yet, she's still, she's there, she's still moving and working and and blessing the family. God was doing something. We were simply a conduit of the blessing for that family. One thing I do know, and I'll just share this. Don't share this with anybody else. It's just between you and I. It's usually easier for me to have faith for you than it is for me. I think that's part of our human nature. Because when I'm praying and trying to believe by faith for situations within my own life, my own brain, you know, kicks in and it says, yeah, but this, well, what about that? Well, what about this? What about that? Whereas when we look at each other, we don't have all of that going and we can just pray in faith for each other. Again, speaking that these gifts are not so much for ourselves as much as they are for the whole body of Christ. Too often, I, I stand just like that father of that, uh, the, the son who is demon-possessed and Jesus coming down off the mountain of transfiguration and says, ah, you know, I, I asked your disciples to pray. They couldn't do anything. He's still, you know, in worse shape than when I asked them to pray. And, and you know, is it possible? And Jesus tells him, well, you know, if you believe, anything's possible. The guy was real honest. He didn't say, I believe, 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 until he believed, No. He just said, you know what, I, I, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. And you know what, I think that God honors honesty. I believe that God honors honesty. And too much in the Christian world, there's this whole little deal that oh, you don't, want, you don't want to say anything. Todd and I were talking the other day, and I was talking to somebody else about this. You know, if I wake up in the morning, and I've got a 102-degree temperature, and my insides feel like they're inside out and rolling over, and there's like a freight train running through my gut, I'm going to say, you know what? I feel sick. I'm not going to say, oh, I feel wonderful. I'm going to say, I feel sick. And then I'm going to pray, Lord, would you heal me? Would you give me strength? I think we get into way too much new age stuff, but that's a whole other message in, in trying to figure out you know, how we're supposed to pray. Do we pray believing? Yes. But I believe we pray in honesty too. I believe that the supernatural gift of faith 
is the kind of faith we experience when we fully and truly and expectantly believe that our God really is actually able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that what? Works in us. According to the power that works in us. Just wondering even on that, is that again, that work of the Holy Spirit within us building up our faith. We have faith. I need more. Lord, work within me more in order that I might believe that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. Lord, I need you to work that kind of faith in me because in my own logic, my own understanding, I ain't got that because there's too many things that stand in my way. I need you to work within me. It's that kind of faith that Peter and James demonstrated when they told that lame man at the temple. He said, hey, you know what? We, we, we don't have any silver or gold. But such as we have, we'll give, up, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Now, wouldn't they have been embarrassed if that guy went to stand up and he fell flat? But they had faith that God was going to do supernaturally within that man. And God moved, God healed that man. Not only was that lame man able to get up, man, he got up and he began leaping and running all over. Now again, that could be considered the gift of healing on that man, but I believe it was also a powerful demonstration of the gift of faith. I just got to tell you, unless the Lord really, really pushed me into it, if I saw somebody in a wheelchair that couldn't walk, I'm not going to go up to that person and say, hey, get up and walk, unless the Lord just really laid on my heart. It's got to be that kind of a deal. We don't do it flippantly. We don't do it in, in, in a way that just says, hey, watch the show, watch the show. The, the very word for faith there that's used is the Greek word pistas, And it's simply translated as faith. But it's that understanding of full assurance. We can say that we have faith in things, but I think too often we use the word in in a very surface way, in a very limited way. Full assurance, full faith in something says that, man, I am willing to stake everything on this. I'm willing to commit completely Again, it's a, that supernatural gift of faith is, again, that that uh, gives us the assurance of things hoped for and recognizes the substance of things that are not seen. It recognizes, it sees it. It's not there in the physical mode, but it is there in the spiritual realm. And I believe it, and I can walk in that. And beloved, sometimes that takes that supernatural gift of faith for us to be able to walk in that way and in that area, far beyond the normal. It's a faith to see and believe when no one else has the eyes to see beyond the present circumstances. I've been in churches, been in groups before, men's groups, uh, Bible study groups, where again, we've talked about situations within the church, uh, situation within people's lives, and the Lord just empowers an individual. Might be a man, might be a woman. To just speak up and say, you know what? I believe that God is going to do this. I believe that God is going to move in this thing in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. Now, when that is actually in 
empowered by the Holy Spirit and not just somebody speaking out, but it's actually empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know what? It builds up faith. It builds up faith in other people because we, again, encourage each other in that. It's that kind of faith that when there's no possibility, if God doesn't move, if God doesn't do it, it's not going to be done. It's that kind of a faith. One, one writer talks about it, that uh, uh, that gift of faith knows that it'll be done. It knows that it'll be done. Another writer says that it's the indomitable assurance that God can overcome any difficulties and meet any emergencies within our life. Let me quote now from, actually, uh, Alan Johnson in a commentary series that he has. The reason I want to quote, and I'm going to quote it verbatim, is because it's such a powerful thing. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to louse it up. Many of you have heard the name of George Mueller. Again, George Mueller lived in the uh, 1800s. In the 1800s, a guy lived to be 93 years old. He was an evangelist. He was the director of an orphanage in Bristol, England. In that orphanage, through the years, they ministered to over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. Mueller himself established 117 Christian schools, and they educated over 120,000 children. Uh, what's, the, what's the enrollment over at uh, Logos Christian Academy this year? 70-something? Can you imagine 120,000? Okay, uh, we, we'll keep praying for that. Not this year, not next year, but uh, in a couple of years. George Mueller, let me share this. Uh, George Mueller, he cited as a person who manifested this ministry, this gift of faith. Mueller founded a large orphanage where he fed, housed, and otherwise cared for over 2,000 orphans with no guaranteed income from any source. He trusted God literally daily for milk, food, and funds to care for the children. I'll step away from this for a minute. There were a multiple of times in his own biography as, as he writes that, man, there were days that we had the children come to the dinner table with absolutely no food in the cabinets, no food in the kitchen. We gathered them at the table for the morning meal, and we said, let's pray. And they began praying. And by the time they said amen, there was a knock on the door and there was a carrier that said, man, I've got a wagon full of food. I was told to stop by and bring it here. That kind of faith is what allowed him to minister for all those years. Now, let me get back to this. A woman by the name of Mrs. Charles Kalman wrote the following, revealing a story about Mueller. She said that I went to America some years ago with a captain of a steamer who was a very devoted Christian. When off the coast of Newfoundland, he said to me, the last time I crossed here five weeks ago, something happened which revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. We had George Mueller from Bristol on board. I'd been on the bridge for 24 hours and never left it. George Mueller came to me and said, Captain, I've come to tell you that I must be in Quebec Saturday morning. Why, that's impossible, I said. Mueller declared, very well. If your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way. I've never broken an engagement for 57 years. Let us go down into the chart room and pray. 
Well, I looked at this man of God and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum can he, this man have come from? I've never heard of such a thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? He looked at me and replied, no, my eye is not on the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He knelt down and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. And when he finished, I was going to pray. But he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. He said, first of all, you do not believe he will answer. And second, I believe he has already answered. And there's no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. I looked at him and he said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years and there has never been a single day that I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door and you will find that the fog is gone. I got up and the fog was indeed gone. On Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his engagement. Now that is a gift of faith. Next thing we're going to look at is the gift of healings. This next gift of the Spirit, we see it still in verse 9, says to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And again, we see that Paul doesn't go into any kind of a detail. He doesn't go into any kind of description of the gifts of healing. However, we see this gift or these gifts demonstrated throughout the Bible. We see them in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. We see it all throughout the early church. And, and the appropriate understanding uh, of it being in the plural form, it's the only one in here really that says gifts of healing in the plural form, is that there's most likely varying levels or, or areas of healing due to various needs, physical needs, uh, emotional needs, spiritual needs, all of those covered actually by a variety of different gifts. Today, as you might well know, this gift is along with some others are, are some of the very controversial ones. And because of the controversy, a lot of people, they, they doubt the authenticity of the gift. Well, there's not really a gift of healing. Otherwise, why don't they go to the hospital and just heal everybody? I mean, I can remember in the past my own mind saying that. There really is a gift of healing. Why doesn't so-and-so uh, go to the, you know, down here and, and just touch and walk through the aisles and empty all the hospitals? Well, that, number one, that's not how it works. We know that there is a way that God works and uses, and there is a time. But yet, even in the time of Jesus, probably even during the Old Testament, and definitely in the early church, and on through today, there have been, there are those who were and are charlatans. We know that. We understand that. They're tricksters. They're deceivers. They take advantage of desperate situations of individuals for their own personal gain. These are the ones that go the, through trickery, through showmanship, through outside, you know, outright lies, 
They parade themselves as something that they're not really. They draw attention to themselves. And as we've seen in today's culture, they build these mega ministries. They rake in large amounts of faith offerings in order that they might expand the work of their own ministry through the purchase of lands and homes, vehicles, aircrafts, and ministry centers. That just happens. And why God just doesn't strike them dead, I don't know. Probably the same grace that he hasn't struck me dead yet. So there's no doubt that there's a lot of misuses, not only of this gift, but of others. However, one thing we need to bear in mind in all of these things the misuse does not negate the validity of the gift itself. The misuse of the gift does not negate the validity. If you heard someone who does not play the violin, pick it up and just start raking across those strings with that bow, you would think, violin music is absolutely horrendous. I hate violin music. Oh, I've heard it. Oh, it just just grinds my teeth. But if you heard a master of violin, take it up and play it as sweet and as beautiful as he possibly can, suddenly it would change your opinion. Just because of misuse does not invalidate the authenticity of a gift. God has given, God has used the gifts of healing for his glory in in many, many ways. This is the work of God through the Holy Spirit that brings about supernatural healings well beyond anything that modern medicine can do. I praise God for modern medicine. I am glad that we have doctors and surgeons and and, and medications and those kinds of things. I'm glad that he has allowed us to have that. But on the other side of that, I believe with the rise of our technology and our human abilities, we become less and less dependent upon God. And because we are less and less dependent upon God, we are less and less seeing or experiencing the fullness of what God can do. Because, again, we've moved away from these things. But the validity of this gift is clearly seen throughout the New Testament. We see it in the, the, the gospel records of Jesus himself validating the reality of the gifts of healing. We see him healing all matters of diseases, casting out demons. We see it also in the, the apostles. In fact, he sends his disciples out, even during his time on the earth. He sends them out, well, with power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to what? Heal the sick. There's a reason for that. But then we also see it within the early church, validating that. We see it all through the book of Acts. We see in chapter three of Acts, Peter and John heal a man that's been blind from from birth. Chapter five uh, records of signs and wonders, but it also speaks about even Peter's shadow walking along. And this is just bizarre, I understand that. Walking along and a shadow touches people that have been laid out on the roadway and they become well. They're, they're healed even as his shadow walks by. In chapter nine, we see the healing 
of Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes Paul, when Ananias comes and prays for him in order that he might gain his sight. In chapter 9 of Acts, we still see the raising of Tabitha or Dorcas by Peter. Back in chapter 4, we see the healing of the crippled man that was handicapped from birth by Paul and Barnabas. In chapter 16, we see the healing and the exorcism of a demon-possessed slave girl. Chapter 19, we see extraordinary miracles wrought by Paul where his handkerchiefs and his aprons were brought from his own body and laid on the sick and diseases left them. Strange, strange stuff. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on about for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.